Hey, hey, welcome back to the Athlete Emerging Podcast. This is Heidi Nielsen, and today we are going to be talking about progression. Not really in terms of specific training progressions, but just in terms of remembering to use them. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay, so here's the backstory. I was telling Coach Brian about my knee history, which I related in this podcast in the episode talking about my first obstacle course race. So if you want more detail on my wonky knees, feel free to go back and check that one. Brian pointed out a really, really interesting common thread among all of my knee, or, you know, at least the two recent knee issues, the the chronic patellofemoral syndrome from when I was a kid is just a developmental issue, but my conked right kneecap on a concrete picnic table doing some stunt training, and the suspected slightly torn meniscus, never had it properly diagnosed, but the funny twisting knee on the left side, both originated from diving into a high level of activity after either not having done that particular activity before at all, or not having visited that kind of work in a long time. Really interesting. I pause as I talk about this because it's really a big, it was a big aha for me in session. Um, I have always been one that if I'm training with somebody and they're asking me to bring it, I'm going to bring it all that I can. And sometimes <laughs> that has meant um, pushing a little bit past my current capabilities. And yes, of course, when we're training, we want to be stretching the limits of those capabilities. But when we're trying to go from zero to 60, as Brian calls it, uh, we set ourselves up for injury, as I've experienced with my knees. Um, and I'm sure there are other examples around the injury front. Interestingly enough, so this was this was a couple weeks back that we had this conversation. And what was the context that that came up in? Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is good for you to know. I was asking him about how to train plyometrics safely. Because as I'm feeling more stable, particularly around my knees, as I'm feeling stronger and uh, more capable of handling really athletic workouts. And what I mean by athletic in this circumstance is not the kind of workout where I'm doing a set of an exercise and then just stopping and resting and waiting for the muscles to feel better and catching my breath before I go for another set. But you know, working in some kind of super setting, be it moving from one muscle group, specifically focusing to another, or whether just instead of rest sets, I'm taking cardio intervals, for example. Um, so in my, in my last workout, I worked chest and butt together. And I started with BOSU ball push-ups, um, using the flat side as the top of the BOSU, which is not recommended. Uh, it's kind of funny. I'm going to go off on a tangent. I think today's a tangent full day. The BOSU was called BOSU 
because it was originally designed to be used both sides up, BOSU. Unfortunately, there were a couple problems with people using them flat side up and getting hurt because of a lack of stability for that advanced level of progression with the BOSU. And I don't know the details of the lawsuits or what exactly went down around that, but I do know that if you look at a BOSU ball now, the current generation and recent generations of BOSU balls have engraved on the flat side, standing on platform not recommended. <laughs> so the, uh, the official stance of the company and the way that as a personal trainer, I would use the BOSU with my clients is always flat side down, round side up. That's definitely the safer way to go. Um, I do enjoy taking more risks in my personal training. I'm comfortable with that. Not my personal training in terms of personal training, my <laughs> personal training of clients, my personal of me training. Gosh, English language can be very confusing sometimes. In my own workouts, there we go, I'll say it that way. I do enjoy taking calculated risks. And I know that using flat side up on the BOSU is a riskier way of working, but it's something that I have been progressing up over the last several months. And so I use that for quite a few of my exercises personally. I don't have any of my clients using it that way. Um, I don't particularly recommend using it that way per se. I don't think that I can ethically or legally as a trainer recommend using it that way. Um, but I do use it that way <laughs> because sometimes I'm a crazy kid. So there's that tangent for the moment. But I was telling you about my, my most recent workout, which was supersetting chest and butts, just to give you an idea of what I mean by athleticism. And not that, not that I'm a, as much of a super beast as I would like to someday be, and certainly there are way, way, way crazier, more athletic workouts that, that make mine look just silly. So I get that. <laughs> I'm not coming from a space of saying, this is the super awesome workout that y'all should be doing. Um, but just compared to how I was working in the past, this is a much more athletic way of working. So these supersets in this last workout, or one, um, one series of them, was BOSU ball push-ups with my hands on the platform. So it was a bit of an incline push-up, but destabilized, because that BOSU ball will rock around underneath. Uh, from the BOSU ball push-up, I went to single arm cable flies to just really focus on burning out that chest muscle for a little bit. Uh, then I went to a single leg squat, reaching the buns back against the wall. So I set that one up standing somewhere between 6 and 12 inches away from the wall. Maybe, maybe like 12 inches. I think I'm about a foot away from the wall. Maybe it's a little bit more than that even. My, my mental ruler is not very highly attuned. So I'm some distance away from the wall such that when I anteriorly rotate my, my pelvis, so I stick my, my pelvis down, reaching my butt up behind me, and then bend my knee to sit back like I'm sitting in a chair, I can just barely tap the buns against the wall 
feeling some challenge to reach back to that range and then straighten that leg back up, squeezing the buns to come back up to straight and do that range in control. So I kind of do it by feeling for how far my foot is away from the wall. And of course, the stronger my leg gets, the farther I'll be able to move away with the max distance being uh, however long my thigh is. Because if I go far farther away from the wall than the length of my femur bone from kneecap to back of my buns, then I won't be able to touch the wall. And I do think that that tactile feedback is important for that exercise. So there's tangent number two for today. There's your description of the one-leg squat. Um, but just to give you an idea of how I completed the superset from the one-legged squats, uh, now in between legs on one-legged squats while I was resting the lower body, I would drop down and do a set of 50 mountain climbers, come back up, do the other leg of the one-leg squat, um, and half of my sets I did holding a medicine ball with my elbows rotating in towards one another in front of me. So I was still getting chest activation since it was chest and butt day. And then after the second leg of the single leg squats to just get some fresh blood flow through the legs, I did a set of 30 jumping jacks before going back to the BOSU push-ups. So that's what I mean by athleticism in my workout, that kind of constant motion, getting the heart rate up, maybe letting it come back down a little bit for moments, but then bringing it back up, trying to keep a high level of intensity um, from minute to minute. So I like incorporating plyo exercises. Um, plyometrics, if you're not familiar with that term, just means jump training or explosive training. So anything where you're jumping and that can be either with the legs or with the arms, an example of a, a clap push-up where you're jumping off of the floor with your hands and clapping before you come to the next push-up, or other kinds of leg-based plyo that you may have seen are box jumps, squat jumps, lunge jumps, high jumps. <laughs> if it's got the word jump in it, it's probably plyometric. And I haven't felt safe doing plyo in the past, both because my educational background didn't include it and because of having wonky knees. So I really wanted to check in with Brian and say, hey, I'm, I'm starting to incorporate some of these. I've been doing some jumping squats and some jumping lunges. And I just wanna check in and know that I'm training these safely. I don't wanna be putting myself in undue danger to be doing this plyo work. And so what came up from that conversation, uh, that was where I went into telling him the history of my knees and learning that quite a few of the problems that I've brought upon myself have come from going, okay, the badass thing to do is to just bring it all right now. So I'm just gonna go hard when maybe my body isn't quite ready for that. So in terms of plyo, I'm really focusing on taking baby steps. Interestingly enough, the day after we had that conversation, I went to train at Diavolo in their muscle conditioning class, and we had box jumps in our workout of the day that day. And since that's a an acrobatic dance theater setting, they have those couple inch firm but padded mats that fold up accordion style and then the whole fold is, again, my mental ruler is not great, but it's probably a, 
the height of a curb, however tall that is, might be uh, how tall one set of folded mats is. And I started the box jumps just on one set of folded mats, not even going for the box. And yeah, there was definitely that voice in my head saying, hey, no, you're here to train. You you can push harder than this. Don't go for just the little challenge and um, blah, 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 blah. But I had just been in session with Brian the day before. I knew, okay, I want to do this plyo stuff safely because I don't want incorporating that to cause me to have some sort of injury that'll keep me from all of my training for however long. So I, I did single folded mat box jumps. I did half my set like that and it felt totally fine, totally easy. Uh, another tidbit that Brian had given me as we spent our hour talking about how for my body to do plyo relatively safely I don't think plyo is ever completely risk-free, but we try to minimize the risks. Uh, was he gave me a great word, and that word is crumple, and that's because my knees don't like being primary shock absorbers. Uh, I like to use the rest of my body to crumple to take as much shock on landing as possible. One point that Brian was stressing to me was that for me, plyo, the work is in the takeoff. And I want to just land in whatever way is going to be most soft and gentle to my body. So, you know, doing um, doing squat jumps, for example, if I'm focusing on landing and dropping straight back into the perfect, deep, steady squat, that may not be as nice a way to do it for my body as if I'm just getting a nice leap up in the air, coming down in whatever way is soft, thinking crumple, letting the body bend all over, and then coming back into a quote-unquote squat, finding that more proper form. Um, maybe a nicer way to do it for my body. Fortunately, there's no called-for landing shape on box jumps. It's a really convenient place to practice that crumple down so I did that I did half of the set like I say with just one mat and it was totally easy I felt totally fine I wasn't having any pain in the knees I didn't feel particularly challenged so for the second half of the set I added a second stack of mats I didn't go right from the single mat stack up to the box because one had been easy that would still be going from maybe not zero to 60, but five to 60. (laughs) And I'm really clear that I wanna have the discipline and self-control this time around to take those baby steps. So I went from one stacked mat to two stacked mats and I did the second half of the set. Our, Our workouts at Diavolo are just single set around a circuit. So the second half of the set I did with two mats and it was great and I didn't have pain that day or the next day and have any ill effects from taking on this new exercise of these box jumps that I had never done before. So that was success. And that was my first sort of demonstration to myself of how I can consciously implement this paradigm of (laughs) realizing that the badassery that I'm working on is built on consistency and having a single really amazing kick-ass workout that impresses me and everyone else but then puts me out of commission for however long isn't worth the trade-off 
because what's badass is continuing to show up in the gym week after week, continuing to push the body day after day, not just giving one big push that blows everything out. So it's a little, it's, it's a little bit more refined way of thinking about badassery <laughs> for me. And I'm excited about it. So much good stuff in this work. I'm just really enjoying it. I'm really, really enjoying having a coach. If any of you are in communication with me in the future and I'm looking at taking on some other big project of any kind, will you please remind me that I never want to take on anything big without a coach ever again? <laughs> it's just really amazing to have that support and handholding and any questions that come up for me, any tiniest hint of resistance that I may come up against, I get to bring it up and have it out right away before it festers and turns into some kind of major psychological issue complex <laughs> or uh, great physical imbalance or anything unduly bizarre along those lines. So, plus, having a coach is really awesome because a good coach is trained to listen for the things that we don't really hear ourselves saying. And this whole pattern of zero to 60 right away blow myself out thing <laughs> had shown up in another area and I didn't even recognize it I just knew well here let me give you the situation I'll kind of talk you through how it all went down I've I've talked a few times about my training at Diavolo Diavolo Dance Theater based here in downtown LA I love them they're fantastic I highly recommend their muscle conditioning and company classes and I found out about them because at Kinetic Theory, the circus school that I take hand balancing class at, my life sounds so much fun when I talk about it. I really love it. <laughs> I was hanging out at circus school and I saw a flyer on the bulletin board for Diavolo Summer Intensive. And I had seen some of Diavolo's work in the past and I'd heard about them as a company, but for some reason I thought they were based in Europe. I didn't even realize that they were based in LA and then here they are having essentially you know dance camp for adults this summer and I went what and I got really excited and I went on their website and that's where I saw that they offer these company classes twice weekly and I just got really excited about being involved in that world possibly maybe even joining their company someday who knows what's possible um, I am 32 right now, so I'm definitely past prime age to be stepping back into that professional dance career that I had been training for as a teenager. But, you know, maybe if I trained my butt off with them for this full year and then come touring company auditions next summer, maybe I can have that last gasp at the professional dance career that I dreamed of and somewhere lost that dream along the way. So that idea really enlivened me and I've been having a lot of fun training with them. It's been, gosh, about a month, I think. And just last week was the early bird registration deadline for aforementioned summer intensive. I hadn't registered yet 
I just hadn't quite gotten around to it, but I was fully intending to. And as that deadline drew closer, I started to be afraid of losing my enthusiasm. And I started to recognize a pattern that I'd had in the past of getting into a new activity or a new organization and just being so excited for it that I wanted to go 250% and give it my all and plus some and do everything that they had to offer. And somewhere in that progression of excitement, historically I've often crossed this threshold where it just got to be a little bit too much for me where I was at the moment. And I entered that state that we all know, known as burnout. And then the enthusiasm's gone. And then I'm not really loving that thing quite so much anymore. And I didn't want that to happen with this. I'm, I'm really enjoying my training there. And I talked to Brian about it. And I was bringing up the example of acro yoga, which is the other activity that I played out this pattern with most recently. I, a few months back, went on a really fun retreat in Puerto Rico. And we were surfing and rock climbing, and I got introduced in a big way to acro yoga. I had done one workshop in it at a festival uh, a year ago, a year before that but hadn't done any more with it, didn't really know where to go, and got a nice, deeper taste of it at this retreat in Puerto Rico. Got really into it, really, really into it, thinking that doing therapeutic acro yoga may be the next focus that I wanted to have professionally, looking at shifting gears in my practice entirely, um, just feeling super, super stoked on that work, really pulled to explore what else I could do with it. Did some research and found out that there was an immersion happening in the therapeutic side of the practice in Australia, just a few weeks after I got back from Puerto Rico. So I somehow managed to coordinate everything to get sessions covered with my trainers at home and cashed in frequent flyer miles because I've been learning the art of travel hacking over the past six months or so and uh, got myself a couple hundred dollar ticket after using miles from Los Angeles to Sydney, Australia, which is super cool. Maybe I'll talk about that more. It's a little off topic for this podcast, but travel hacking is really fun and I highly recommend it. Tangent number three or four of the day. (laughs) So got myself to Australia and went and spent five days in this really lovely acro yoga immersion doing Thai massage therapeutically balancing people on our feet and flying in really interesting, relaxed, passive yoga postures. And it was really beautiful work, but it just kind of felt like too much. And I didn't know if it was the the therapeutic focus can sometimes get heavy instead of feeling light and playful as acro yoga originally had for me or my hamstrings were really sore because acro yoga is built largely around what's called L-basing. And L-basing is if you have two people partnering, as it often is for acro yoga, the base will be laying on the ground with their back on the ground 
and their hips at 90 degrees. So their feet are straight up in the air. And then their flyer will be perched in all sorts of various ways on the base's feet generally, on the base's hands, moving back and forth between them. But the flyer on the feet with the base supporting that person's weight through their legs and down into the connection between the low back and the ground is kind of the, at least for therapeutic acro yoga, that, that was our standard starting point and the kind of basing we were working with. And that can be a lot of work, <laughs> believe it or not, holding somebody else up in the air. I mean, yes, you do want to rely on the physics of just having stacked bones so that gravity is pressing straight down, but even just the work of keeping your legs straight up in the air can be a lot on the hamstrings. I used to be somebody with really loose hamstrings, but that's not so much my body anymore. I don't know if it's because I've been doing more of this weightlifting style training, so I've got <laughs> I'm a little bit tighter in the muscles all over the place. Um, but my my hamstrings were burned out after the first day, and the the rest of the body and mind kind of followed. And I came home and I was just I was just feeling burned out, and I was bummed because I had been loving acro yoga before I left. I was looking at creating my whole life around it. And then suddenly my steam for it was gone. And I didn't quite know where it went. I didn't quite know exactly why that was. But I was bummed about it. And I missed that enthusiasm that I had had. And this was still kind of the place that I was in in my relationship with acro yoga when it came time to have this conversation with Brian about Diavolo and being afraid of losing that enthusiasm again if I go do summer intensive. And I thought that it was just about the amount of time. Maybe I'm just not the person, the kind of person that can spend six hours a day for five days in a row doing one thing. Maybe that's just too much of that one single thing for me. My professional life has a lot of variety, going to see different clients, running the administrative side of the business. I don't have my life set up, so I'm doing long hours of a single task. And he said maybe there was something to that, but another thing that Brian heard in what I had been saying that I hadn't even noticed, I kind of mentioned it here now, but I, I didn't notice it before myself, was that same physical zero to 60 in two seconds kind of drive. I mean, I really had had my first significant introduction to acro yoga just a few weeks before. And then here I was, you know, basing in this intensive that even though it was therapeutically intended and felt really delicious at times, was quite demanding on the body. And it was a lot to step into after having only been in this art form for a few weeks. And I, I hadn't even noticed that before. I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's totally right. It Probably I was feeling psychologically burned out because I was so physically burned out. I just hadn't progressively trained up to that level of intensity. And he brought that out to me and I said, oh, that's really interesting. Very, very interesting. I had had some time to reflect on the zero to 60 and baby steps principle as it relates to plyometrics. I'd been looking at that in a few other areas of my life. And I felt like he really nailed, hit the nail on the head, if you will, 
with that one. And he said, okay, and so what is, how does that inform what we're looking at with Diavolo here? And I said, gosh, you know, I've, I've only been working out with Diavolo for a few weeks. And I don't, here it's the same thing. I'm really excited about it. It's been a few weeks. And then here's the opportunity to do this big 30, 40 hour thing. And I don't want to make that same mistake. I, I hesitate to say it that way because I, I actually don't, I don't know if I would say that it was a mistake with Acaryoga. Um, but I just, I want to try a different pattern. I don't want to repeat the same pattern. If the pattern is go really hard, really fast and burn out and lose the fun, I'd rather be cultivating more joy through the process of all of this in my life. So let me try a new paradigm. And the decision became really clear right away in that session that even though it was the idea of doing this summer intensive that pulled me to Diavolo in the first place, I don't think that it is the right next step for me in my process right now. I'm really enjoying the place that that holds in my life currently. I'm really enjoying the variety of training that I'm doing. And yeah, I do think that it's really smart to do an intensive with them before those company auditions a year from now to see what it's like to actually be more a part of the company and to see if that is something that I'd actually enjoy taking on as a professional step. But that's a year off. And there's a lot that happens in a year. And trying to guess about how my future self will feel based on the body and experience and life that I'm in now doesn't make as much sense as it seemed to make a few weeks ago. So, so interesting to me in this whole journey how... Sorry, sorry about the background noise. I'm fairly close to an airport right now doing my recording, and I'm not sure if you can hear the airplane flying by overhead, but I can hear it, and I think this mic is probably picking it up, so sorry if there's that background noise. Tangent number six or seven of today's podcast. (laughs) It's a distracted brain sort of day. But just to kind of tie today's episode in a pretty bow, coaching is rad. And coaching is rad because it teases out patterns and themes, not only in whatever specific area we're focusing on in our coaching, but if we take some time to reflect and apply what we're learning in our coaching to our other areas as well, then we start to see, or at least I've started to see that that these patterns run all over the place for me. And... As I am seeking to, in the most simple terms, lower my body fat percentage, the ability to change old patterns and change my approach to the activities of my life is hugely empowering and really, really cool. So if you are on a similar physical transformational journey, I'm just sending out good overall holistic transformation vibes to anyone who may be hearing me. I think there's a lot of power in pattern recognition and 
looking at what our limitations actually may be stemming from and seeing how we can shift how we work with ourselves to maybe push our own limits out a little farther than they were and bring a little more joy into all of the processes we're involved in. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. I'm into it. I hope you're into it. Have fantastic, fantastic, fantastic workouts until we connect again. Keep feeding that body. Keep fueling up. And I will see you here for the next episode. Bye.